Hello, and welcome to Soothing Pods Sleep Stories. My name is Chris, and tonight I will be your guide as we embark on a journey to ancient Greece, where we will watch as the country is gilded by King Midas and his magic touch. Before we begin, however, let us take a moment to unwind and find peace in the place that we're in, here and now. Close your eyes and allow your body to sink into the mattress beneath you. Notice how comfortable the mattress is, how it cradles your body, and the pillows cradle your head, giving you a soft place to relax and refresh. Notice how the blankets embrace you, comforting you with their warm, fluffy touch. Here and now, there are no obligations. There is no to-do list. By simply lying here, and listening to the sound of my voice, you are slowly starting to relax. With your eyes still closed, and your body relaxing more and more with each passing moment, I'd like you to try to imagine something with me. For a moment, Try and imagine that you are not in your bed at all. You are somewhere else entirely. Your eyes are closed, so you can't see exactly where you are. But the minute you breathe in, you know it is someplace safe and relaxing. As you take a deep, nourishing breath in, you can smell the fresh, wonderful aroma of forest loam, moss, and the citrusy, evergreen scent of cedar trees, basking in the sun on snow-capped mountains in the distance. Nearby, you can hear the sound of the tough, resilient, needle-like leaves with white, purple, and blue flowers brushing against one another as the breeze winds through the bush and laces through the forest. And in the breeze sailing away from the shrub, you can smell the wonderfully rejuvenating scent of the wild rosemary, mixing with the aroma of the wildflowers, peppering the nearby fields. It is, perhaps, one of the most relaxing scents you've ever encountered. As you breathe in this aroma deeply, you feel the breath truly fill your lungs. 
your lungs expand slowly, allowing that nourishing air to fill your body and go where it is needed. As the air fills your lungs and nourishes your body, your heart pumps just a bit slower, relaxing you more and more. But it is not just the smells that relax you. It is the atmosphere all around you. That sweet wildflower and herb-tinged breeze washes over your skin, leaving you with the faintest of goosebumps that only makes the other sensations around you more satisfying. The lower half of your body is relaxing in warm water. It's like you're sitting in a hot tub, but the location and the feeling of smooth stone beneath you tell you otherwise. The water feels clean, yet wild, like fresh hot spring water. And, as you feel around with your hands, brushing over stones and the occasional pocket of clean, vibrant moss, you know that you must actually be in a hot spring. Knowing this, you sink deeper into the water, allowing it to brush over your shoulders, back, and arms. You relish in the feeling as the warm water engulfs you, relaxing each muscle and nerve that it washes over. You feel the warmth sink into your feet and calves leaving any pressure or tension that you have been carrying there. This warm feeling extends up your calves, over your thighs and stomach. As it does, you feel the pressure melt away there, allowing your body to sink into the hot spring more and more. Next, that warm water embraces your hands, arms, and chest. Your hands untense and simply float on the water, no longer in fists or pressed down into the stone beneath you. Your lungs expand a little more as you breathe in that beautiful fresh air and your heart beats slower and healthier still with the help of the warm water soothing it. As you soak in this feeling of utter comfort, you take notice of the sounds around you. You hear the leaves overhead as they dance against one another in the fragrant breeze 
you hear the grass as it sways in the wind, ebbing and flowing softly. You hear a bubbling creak in the distance as it laces its way through this vibrant, flourishing forest, descending from snow-capped mountains and making its way to the sparkling ocean somewhere in the far distance. The forest is alive with these sounds, and these sounds are the soundscape of your journey to sleep tonight. If at any point in the story you feel you need it, know that you can return to this safe place, this cozy, hot spring in the forest, where the water is always warm, and the air is always fragrant and fresh. Now that we have taken the time to relax and find comfort in the place that we're in here and now, let us begin our story. King Midas was not well liked by the people he ruled over in the kingdom of Phrygia, but King Midas certainly liked his life. He lived a life of opulence, the kind of life many people can only dream of having. Every day, he awakened in his lavish castle that sat atop the highest hill in the area. He rolled out of his lush sheets that carried the faint scent of lilac and lavender and dried by one of his many workers. He would then tiptoe across the stone floor to his balcony, a balcony that overlooked the entire kingdom. He would sit there, sipping his fragrant lemon tea as he watched the sun rise over his lands. He admired the sunrise as it painted the hills, mountains, valleys, and deserts in shades of pink, purple, orange, and his favorite color, golden. He rarely thought of the people within the expansive territory that was bathed in the sunset. However, he often thought about how everything the sun touched from here was in his dominion. As he watched the sun rise, he would close his eyes and listen to the sounds of the birds as they sang their song to this beautiful world. For quite some time, he would soak in their melodies, hanging on to every note, every expression of glee and joy. But after some time, the sound of the birds 
nature's finest symphony, was not enough for Midas. Instead, he would snap his fingers, and his servants would appear before him. They would quickly get to work, playing pieces of music just for him, tuning their harps and other instruments. King Midas would tap his toes as his musicians tried to create beautiful melodies for him. And, if they failed, they weren't treated with particular kindness. In fact, King Midas rarely treated anyone with kindness. However, there was one exception to that, and she waited downstairs for him at the breakfast table every single morning. His only daughter, Zoe, was one of the few people who King Midas treated with love, kindness, and respect. Every morning, he would walk downstairs and greet her with a hug. She was a beautiful and bright girl, easily lighting up every single room she walked into. Her long ivory hair was often braided with flowers, giving her an otherworldly appearance that only served to remind people of her angelic personality. The two would sit at the table and have their breakfast. It was never a traditional wheat porridge for them, never a simple meal. It was always extravagant, always over the top. As a man of extreme wealth, King Midas demanded the best, the most expensive, the most exotic that his servants could find. He often sent them on trips across the lands to find him rare ingredients to cook with. And, as he dined on these dishes, oftentimes dishes he didn't even enjoy, he would speak at length to his daughter about how much they cost Zoe would roll her eyes, but play along. She was annoyed with her father's obsession with wealth and wondered if it would one day pass. But that didn't seem likely, because every day after breakfast, King Midas would make his way down the long, winding staircase. A staircase lined with precious tapestries and fine art that was some of the most expensive you could find. 
as he walked down the stairs. The dozens of pieces of gold jewelry around his neck and wrists would jingle. And as they jingled, they made the selfish king smile. For they reminded him of his wealth. The only thing that made him happier than the ting, ting, ting of his expensive jewelry was being inside the gold vault in his castle, which is why he spent almost all his time there. Every single day, without fail, the king would sit upon the piles of coins and count out his fortune, one by one. With each smooth golden coin that brushed his fingers, the king would feel a surge of power and joy ripple through his body. Nothing else mattered to him when he was counting his gold. Nothing in the world. His servants knew not to knock on the vault and disturb him, no matter how pressing any issue may be within the castle walls. Some days, the king would even pile the gold into a bathtub and curl up with it, soaking in his riches, the cool feeling of the coins against his skin reminded him of the vast amount of his wealth, of how he would be able to live this life of luxury until the day that he died. And, though many of the people in his kingdom were struggling, King Midas did not seem to care, nor really understand. His primary goal as a ruler was to make himself more gold, not to care for his people or pass that gold onto them. Zoe resented this about her father, but any time she tried to have a discussion with him about it, she was quickly shut down, reminded of all the fine things she had in life as a result of her father's wealth. And she couldn't deny it. She loved roaming the vast gardens on the property. She loved sitting in the grass, as her lavish gowns billowed around her. She loved watching her jewelry sparkle in the light of the brilliant morning sun, while she sipped fresh juice out on a plush blanket in the garden. King Midas truly believed that it was gold, and acquiring more of it, that would bring him more happiness. All of his business dealings and all of his energy was focused on obtaining 
more gold to store in his vault, and more gold for him to flaunt in front of his kingdom. He considered himself to be relatively happy, but he knew that more gold would make him even happier. And one day, the opportunity to obtain more gold came upon King Midas in the most peculiar way. Dionysius, the god of wine and revelry, was passing through the kingdom one day and decided to throw a rather extravagant, rowdy party. He was known throughout Greece for being a man who enjoyed a good time more than anyone else. He led his procession of men as they drank and told stories and played music, catching the eye of passers-by in the kingdom. But one of the companions that walked alongside Dionysius, a satyr, named Salinas, drank too much and got lost along the way. Tired from the long night of partying and merrymaking, far too exhausted to find his companions, Salinas decided to plop down in the lush rose garden outside of King Midas's castle and take a nap. He curled up in the soft grass beneath the lavish, vibrant-colored scarlet roses and drifted off to sleep. His slumber was peaceful and long. As he slept, he swore he could still hear the joyful laughter and singing of his companions as they pressed on and continued their revelry all the way into the mountains far beyond. The sound filled him with peace as he spent some sleepy time in dreamland. When he awakened, it wasn't to the sun rising over him. Instead, he awakened to the feeling of cold raindrops splatting against his hair and running down his body. He opened his eyes to see the dark gray clouds overhead, clouds that blanketed the bright blue sky, casting a dreary haze on the whole day. Directly above him, those bright red roses dipped down towards his face, heavy with the same cold raindrops that had just washed over Selenus's body. The smell of the roses was delightful, instantly relaxing and luxurious. The mere aroma nearly coaxed Selenus back to sleep. But 
the cool touch of the raindrops shook him out of it, urging him to rise to his feet and figure out how to find his group. However, the urgency of that task was postponed because, just as he was about to rise, King Midas stood over him. For a brief moment, Selenus feared that King Midas would yell at him for sleeping beneath his prized roses. But, instead, he simply extended a hand, helping Selenus to his feet. He cracked a joke about how Selenus had clearly had a rough go of it and invited him to stay in the castle for a few days to fully recover. Silenus was incredibly grateful for this unexpected hospitality. He hadn't known the king to be particularly giving or kind in any way, so the compassionate invitation was quite a surprise. But... Silenus enthusiastically agreed. For the next few days, Silenus slept in the castle and spent every waking moment enjoying the splendor alongside King Midas and his daughter, Zoe. He ate the exotic, expensive food and drank fragrant wines from distant lands. He even got to see King Midas's collection of gold, a collection which happened to be the largest that Selenus had ever seen. And then, after several days of living in luxury, it was time for Selenus to return to Dionysus. King Midas surprised Selenus again when he offered to guide the satyr home to ensure his safe and sound passage back to where he belonged. When they arrived at Dionysus's realm, it was, as always, in the midst of a major celebration. Wine was flowing freely, and everyone was laughing, dancing, and having a wonderful time. When King Midas approached Dionysus with Selenus, Dionysus was overjoyed. He thanked King Midas profusely for bringing his satyr back to him and for giving him a place to recover while he was unwell, to thank him for his troubles. He offered to grant King Midas a wish of his choosing, any wish. King Midas thought about that for a long moment, after a big pause and much thinking. King Midas had his answer. He chimed loud and proud for all to hear. I wish that everything I touch becomes gold. 
pride and excitement washed through King Midas like a powerful wave as he spoke those heavy words of his wish. Dionysus looked upon him, his brow furrowed, his expression troubled. He urged King Midas to think about the wish and the dangers a wish of that nature may pose. But the king remained steadfast. He told Dionysus that there is nothing else in the world he would like more than to be able to turn all he touched into gold. Sensing there was no way to get through to him, Dionysus shrugged and granted King Midas his wish, sending him on his way back to his kingdom. He waved as the king hurried off home, overjoyed by his new power. You will be able to turn things to gold in the morning, my dear king. Just remember that you have been warned, Dionysus said. But he was certain his words had fallen on deaf ears. King Midas slept exceptionally well that night. His plan had worked all along. He had heard tales that Dionysus granted wishes when those who he had lost were returned to him and he had been so lucky to be given that opportunity. The next morning, when those first rays of sunshine glistened through the window, illuminating King Midas's face, he awakened with a smile, the lush sheets billowing in the soft breeze, blowing in through the window, invited him to stay in bed, but he had more exciting things to tend to, life-changing things. King Midas rose to his feet, his mind reeling of memories of what happened last night. With the promise of the wish that he had been granted, wanting to see if it was true, King Midas reached out to touch his nightstand. There was a magical glint at the end of his finger, and then, in a flash, he watched as the nightstand turned from wood to solid gold. The glint from his fingertips washed over the wood like a wave, taking it over inch by inch until there was nothing left but that heavy, brilliant, glistening gold. King Midas exclaimed with glee. His table was solid gold now, worth more than handfuls and handfuls of the gold coins that he had been bathing in. Overcome by pride and greed, and joy. King Midas made his way down the hallway, extending his hand 
and touching everything he passed. He touched a water vessel and watched as it was gilded by his mere touch. He touched a rug and watched as the gold ran up each and every thread of the woven wall. He touched chairs and statues and hutches and stands and every bit of furniture that he could get his hands on. When he turned at the end of the hallway to look back at his work, he was delighted to see that there was an entire hallway of gold behind him. It glistened in the light of the rising sun, illuminated to be somehow brighter than the sun itself. It was so beautiful, such a vast wealth, that King Midas could hardly believe what he was looking at. It was utterly and truly remarkable. He made his way down to breakfast, excited to share this power with his daughter. As he paced in the dining room waiting for her, his mind was flooded with the potential that lay before him. He could turn his whole castle into gold. Then he could charge people even more gold to come and see this wonder. He could make boats out of gold, clothes out of gold, an entire kingdom out of gold. The potential before him was so grand that he hardly heard his servants enter and put breakfast on the table. He was truly living his dream. He meandered over to the table where his servants had put another luxurious breakfast feast. There were fresh roses in the center of the table. Fresh roses that symbolized so much for the king. That sleeping satyr in the rose garden had led to this. After all, he brought his fingers to the rose, excited to take a whiff of the fresh, fragrant aroma that represented all of his success. But, as soon as his fingers touched the stem, the rose was instantly turned to gold. For the first time ever, King Midas was a bit disappointed to see gold. He realized that never again would he be able to smell a rose and touch it at the same time. He would have to absorb their fragrance without laying a single finger upon their stem. Somewhat disappointed by this revelation, King Midas began to pace. His hunger rose as he waited for his daughter to come into the room. So, he helped himself to a grape. But, as soon as his fingers touched the grape, it turned to gold. He spat the golden grape out, 
shocked and once again disappointed by this heavy revelation. Perhaps Dionysus was right to warn him. Perhaps having everything he touched turn into gold was not a good thing. Just as he began to ponder on his situation, King Midas heard the footsteps of Zoe behind him. Good morning, Dad, she called. The king turned swiftly to greet her and to warn her of the wish he had made. But it was too late. Just like every morning, she wrapped her arms around him, bringing her father in for a hug. And as she did, that familiar spark ignited yet again. King Midas watched in horror and shock as the gold encased his daughter, expanding from the ends of his fingertips until she was gilded and frozen in place. The only person that King Midas loved, his precious daughter, had been turned to gold because of his greed. Overwhelmed, King Midas dropped to his knees as tears streamed down his cheeks. He prayed to Dionysus, telling the god that this was not a gift, but a curse. He prayed that Dionysus would take this horrible curse away from him and help him return his daughter to her normal state. Far away, Dionysus heard King Midas's prayer. He knew the king was a selfish man, obsessed with wealth, and he felt that this curse might have been a lesson. He felt sorry for the king and the immense grief he was feeling. And so, he spoke to King Midas. He told the king, that to remove the curse, he would have to find the river Pactolus and wash his hands in its icy waters. That very moment, the grateful King Midas set out to find the river. He didn't call upon any servants to help him, nor did he try to ride a horse or a donkey all the way to the edge of the river. The walk was a long and solitary one, a walk of reflection. The king thought about his greed and all that had brought him to this point. He regretted his wish, but above all, he regretted how much he had hurt his kingdom by hoarding all his gold and only caring about his wealth. When the king reached the river, he was a vastly different person from the one who departed the lavish castle. He knelt by the cool water, taking in the beauty of the winding, majestic river that carved its way through the countryside. He bowed his head and slowly ever so slowly, laid his hands in the water. 
the moment his hands touched the water, gold began to flow from them. He watched in awe as it trailed off his fingers in golden ribbons, washing down the river seemingly in endless streaks. Finally, there was nothing but a faint flicker at the tips of his fingers, and then it was all gone. All the gold washed down the river onto distant horizons, off to fill the pockets of people who needed it more. But King Midas wasn't thinking of gold anymore. He hurried home as fast as his legs could carry him, and when he entered his castle, he was relieved that there was no gold in sight. He raced through the corridors, calling out for his darling Zoe. When he laid eyes on her, he wrapped his arms around her tightly and held her close. She smiled and cried as she held her father. From then on, King Midas was a selfless ruler, gave the gold from his vault to those in his kingdom who needed it, and ruled with compassion. He found much deeper happiness and joy in caring for his people than he ever did in his selfish and empty gold baths. I hope you have enjoyed this sleep story, and it has brought you a night of peaceful, relaxing sleep. Please, join me again tomorrow for another sleep story. Until then, sweet dreams.